You are listening to the LifePoint Church Sermon of the Week. For more resources, visit us at lifepoint.cc. 1 John chapter 3. We've been going through the book of 1 John, and it has been glorious. It really has been beautiful. Last, last time we shared, we, um, we learned about the anointing that we receive as children of God the anointing that we receive. And it was, a, it was a threefold anointing. This priestly anointing to treat, treat the things of God with a sacredness and a reverence. It's a prophetic anointing to have the word of God burning in our hearts. And it's a, it's a kingdom anointing that allows us to trample the enemy and, and live victorious lives in Christ. We, t- we talked about that anointing that we received See what kind of love the Father has given to us. We should be called children of God, and so we are. That's 1 John chapter 3, verse 1. We're going to continue, starting in verse 11. This morning, we're going to continue in that. As children of God who have been transformed by the love of God, now our standard for love has been rewritten. It's been recalibrated in Christ. Christ now is our definition of love, which we need to hear. We need to hear this. We need this to wash over us continually, day by day. Look at verse 16. This is going to be like the summation of the morning. By this we know love, that he laid down his life for us. Jesus is the standard of love. The de facto definition of love is Jesus' life laid down. We have high regard for extravagant displays of love as as human beings. Well, Jesus raised the bar to a whole new level. And we we need to hear this. In our generation, when we hear this quip, love is love, it's meant to say that love is this relativistic, um, subjective uh, reality that can be uh, experienced and expressed in an endless number of ways. It's that subjective statement. I think it's always so interesting. We have a generation intoxicated by these quips, inebriated by these quips. And so in, in one breath, people will say love is love, and then they'll say science is real. So we have a, a subjective statement next to an objective statement. Everything's testable. Everything can be experimented. Everything can be repeatable. But, but then everything goes. Everything is, is, is relative. It, we're inebriated by that. And Jesus came and defined love through his life. He demonstrated it. He, he gave us the example, the de facto example of love through his life. And so if you want to know what love is, look at Christ. Look at his life. We think of like valiant displays of love to be like heroism, which is for like some grand cause or loyalty to a cause, or loyalty to a people, or we think of martyrdom, that sort of sacrificial love. I'm telling you, Jesus fulfilled both of those high callings of love. He, he had a cause, it was the glory of his name. There was a sense of sacrificial martyrdom in the fact that he truly did love us and was willing to lay down his life for us. But there's another realm of his love that sets it apart. And it's the fact that his love was for his enemies. It wasn't for people that were desiring it or looking for it or even asking for it. 
It, were, it was actually for the people that rejected him and spat on him and rebelled against him. The people who had been given everything, created to look like him and reflect him, and yet they rejected him and they despised him and they spat on him. That was us. And we crucified him. And so we have in Christ this one who is on a whole different plane of love beyond what humanity can even fathom. And it's, it's this invitation that we have for that to wash over us continually. Day by day, that's what leads to our transformation. That's what leads to our daily transformation from glory to glory as I prayed earlier. So this is the answer. That's why I was praying this is the antidote. Because we're, our life is filled, we're gonna be given a lot of opportunities for the love of God to come and to bear upon our life afresh, anew. People wrong us, people cut us off, people betray us, people hurt us. Life can get disappointing, life can be difficult at, at times and it's in those moments that we're given an invitation for the love of God to wash over us again, for the love, love of God to renew our minds with this higher order of love that changes everything. Are you guys tracking with me? This is the standard of love. It's Jesus. Let's read this. This is, this is gonna be beautiful. This is gonna challenge us. This is, okay, for this is the message. This is verse 11, First John chapter three, verse 11. For this is the message that you have heard from the beginning, that we should love one another. This is the message they'd heard from the beginning and he's actually referring to the old covenant story because this is what he says, verse 12. We should not be like Cain. So all the way back to Genesis chapter four, who was one of the evil one and murdered his brother. Why did he murder him? Because his own deeds were evil and his brother's righteous. Do not be surprised, brothers, the world hates you. We talked about that earlier. We're going to talk a lot about that this morning. We will stand out. We will be hated and despised because light is different. It's distinct from darkness. Verse 14, we know that we have passed out of death into life, amen, because we love the brothers. Whoever does not love abides in death. Everyone who hates his brother is a murderer, and you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. Verse 16, by this we know love, that he laid down his life for us. And we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren, for the brothers, specifically for the family of God. Verse 17, but if anyone has the world's goods and sees his brother in need yet closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide in him? Little children, let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and in truth. By this we shall know that we are of the truth and reassure our heart before him for whenever our heart condemns us, praise God, God is greater than our heart and he knows everything. Beloved, if our heart does not condemn us, we have confidence before God and whatever we ask, we receive from him because we keep his commandments and we do what pleases him. And this is his commandment, that we believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and love one another, just as he commanded us. Whoever keeps his commandments abides in God and God in him, and by this we know that he abides in us by the spirit whom he has given us. I want you to recognize this continual pattern of the Apostle John to give us a litmus test 
of our um, current condition in the Lord and situation in the Lord, but, and also an invitation. It's a litmus test that reveals our current understanding of the love of God. When we come up against a situation and what, what spews out of us is hatred or anger, or what spews out of us is this orphan spirit that closes our heart to wanting to be generous to people. Those are the examples he gives. It's a litmus test. It's a, it's a revealer of our current need for the love of God to renew us again, to wash, wash, us, wash us clean, to wash, wash over us, to give us a revelation of what he is really like. And so it's not just meant to reveal, to condemn and keep us where we're at. It's also an invitation there's an opportunity for us to say, Lord, wash over my heart. Give me a clean perspective of your understanding, I mean, of, of your higher order of love. Lord, I want that in my life, and the Lord meets us there. He, he is greater than our hearts, as he said here. And so in our lives, we're gonna be given a lot of these opportunities, these uh, checkpoints, pretty much on a daily basis, okay? Um, we have opportunities we, as we come into a rub with the realities of life. Um, some are innocuous, some are much more painful. I remember at an early age, um, junior high, my very first job, I worked as a busboy for a senior center near, near our home, and so both me and Tony, we worked there as brothers. Um, first job, bussing tables, just, just trying to learn to work hard. So I, I would ride my bike to this, this senior center. And, and uh, one day after work, I worked with a, with a kid named Matt. Uh, Matt. Matt and I went to school together, so we, we knew of each other enough, but we weren't exactly friends. And Matt and I started talking after work out back behind the senior center. Um, so you can kind of picture more of an alley, kind of dumpsters and, and stuff laying around. Uh, he starts talking about how he learned the sleeper hold, sleep, sleeper hold recently. He learned how to do the sleeper hold. And so uh, I thought that was interesting. And then he asked if, if he could try out the sleeper hold on me. And so I said, oh, sure. I was assuming he didn't know what he was talking about. Well, um, within moments, I was out. And moments later, I woke up behind the dumpster Watching Matt ride his bike uh, away from the senior, he just completely discarded me <laughs> behind a dumpster. So he carried out what he, his newfound uh, talent and then he discarded me behind a dumpster. And there I was left to, to clean up my mess and fi figure, figure out what in the world was going on. But I do think it's a, that's what happens at, at a young age. These sorts of like, you know, you didn't ask for it, you weren't searching for it. I guess I did kind of ask for it, but you know, you're not going out searching for it, you didn't necessarily invite it. Uh, people are people, and people are broken people, and people hurt us, and people discard us behind dumpsters. People disregard valuable things in our life, and they, and they hurt us, they really do. And those experiences, they accumulate over a lifetime, and, and John begins to call to, um, call us to account, to bring these sorts of circumstances, these moments of being discarded by others, these moments of being completely hurt and or betrayed by people, bring it before the love of God, to allow the love of God to actually have a relevant 
uh, power to transform us, to actually have an answer for those situations, to transform us, to look more and more like Christ. And that's how we're gonna, we're gonna end. We're called to look more and more like Christ, to follow him in his ways. So let's deal with the, the first of these two examples. He, he gives, us, gives us two examples of like real life situations of which the love of God is the answer. The love of God opening our eyes to this higher standard, this higher order of love. The first is anger and hate in our hearts towards our brother. And he uses the example, the one from the beginning, Genesis chapter four, the example of, of Cain and Abel. This uh, age old story of you know, fighting and jealousy, envy, that was the, the epitome of Cain. There's a lot of, over the, over the millennia, there is a lot of speculation as to all the details of the story of Cain and Abel. But it's clear that Abel brought first fruit sacrifice from his flock that was acceptable to the Lord. It truly was a reflection of his love and appreciation and gratitude to the Lord. And it seems to be that, that Cain brought an offering. It wasn't first fruits. It was an offering of pretty much the surplus. And it was rejected by the Lord. And this burned Cain. But I think more than anything, than the exterior aspects of the story, what's revealed in the story of Cain and Abel is Cain's heart. It's his heart. There was already the, the seeds of, of jealousy and bitterness towards his brother. And that became the final straw. That became the thing that, that threw him over the edge to the point that he would actually murder his brother. But what John is trying to reveal here is that murder actually starts in the heart. And so if we begin to allow hate and anger to, to, to brew and, and bear fruit in our lives, eventually it comes out in even more horrific ways. And so it was with Cain. So as followers of Jesus, we have an opportunity a couple of things. One, in those, in those situations, it's a revealer of our hearts. And so there should be a humility that washes over us. But secondly, it's an invitation for us to bring those things before the Lord, to look to him and allow his standard of love to wash over us. So the Lord wants to deal with our anger this morning. He wants to deal with our unforgiveness. He wants to deal with bitterness that's beginning to brew in our hearts towards people. And we'll see that we have no, we have no reason to, to hang on to any unforgiveness, to hang on to any anger or hatred towards other people. We, we legitimately have no reason, and we'll find that in Christ this morning. I actually remember, uh, just in light of the current conflict happening in, in Israel, um, I remember traveling to Israel in 2019, December of 2019, and traveling to a village so if, you, if, you're, if you've gotten familiar over the last uh, month or so with the geography of Israel, Gaza is in the very southern point of uh, the southwest part of Israel. Um, and we got to travel all the way down to the, the border of Gaza to a village right on the, the walls, um, you know, keeping any Jewish people from going into Gaza um, and not the other way around. It truly is keeping Jewish people out of those, those areas. Um, and it's really interesting to go there. It's like, why would these people live there? Why would you choose to live in a village up, nestled up against a wall 
in, in such hostile regions of the world. Like, why would you do that? We actually got to hang out with a family. A young father uh, around my age, actually, who had little kids. And you walk this village, and in this village, they have um, bomb shelters at the playgrounds. They have, you, you walk down the street, and they have discarded um, the, the rocket pipes, you know, that after they've been fired off, and shot down by the Iron Dome, they have piles of them that they all, they stack up against walls uh, behind structures. This is their reality. They, the kids are utterly familiar with the, the sirens that go off, telling, you know, beckoning them to, go, to get shelter. This is their life. At the end of our time, hanging out with this family, you know, we asked if we could pray with them. And uh, it was like before the words even got out of our mouth, asking if we could pray with them, he said, yeah, but if you pray for me, please also pray for the Palestinians in the, in the, in the Gaza Strip. Please pray for them, you know, because they are being held hostage by, by terrorist organizations and by people with horrific agendas. And that was his heart. His heart was, was mercy. His heart was, was love. His heart was compassion and grace. And, and we did. We gathered right there next to the wall and we prayed prayers for both the Palestinian people and for and for the Jewish people on, on the Israeli side. But, um, but that is the, um, the reality of the world we live in. We will be given opportunities. That is a, an extreme example of the, the hatred and the anger that has the opportunity to take root in our hearts and that the enemy just has a heyday with or even just our flesh has a heyday with. But we are given an invitation in Christ to have a higher standard of love. The, the second example he gives us is the example of closing our hearts to our brother or the family of God when they are in need. We have a responsibility to keep tender hearts to the needs in the house of God. To not turn a cold eye to obvious needs within the household of God. If we see a brother in need and we turn our hearts away from them. The, 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 the apostle asks the question, how can the love of God be within us? And it becomes a gut check. It becomes a, a litmus test and then also an invitation for us to say, Lord, cleanse me afresh with the revelation of your love. So when we see a need in the house of God, let's look to meet it. Let's look to rally each other. Let's look to call each other higher. There should be no needs in the house of God. Right? We look back to the early church and we said that, and it says there was no needs within them, within their community. That's the way it should be. There should be no needs in our midst that we look to take care of each other. We look to watch out for each other. We see that there's no needs in our midst. And he really does pull this to a, a heart level. And in fact, both of these examples, hatred and anger and um, Meeting the needs of our neighbors are both, they both come to bear as hard issues. If you look at the, the Genesis account of Cain, and so the example of anger and hatred, the scripture says that sin is crouching at his door. That's the actual words in Genesis 4. For Cain, sin was there crouching on a heart level, luring him, desiring to take him out. And here we see in the example of meeting each other's needs in community that it is a hard issue 
We, we need not close our hearts to the needs of those around us. Amen? And so then what is, what's the answer? What's the answer? Well, the answer is verse 16. This is what love is, that the Lord laid down his life for us. The answer is also found in verse 23. Just look at verse 23. This is his commandment. Just try harder, right? Is that what it says? No, it doesn't say that. It says, believe in the name of the Son, Jesus Christ, and love one another. The two go hand in hand. They are hand in glove. We look to the Lord, and it's from that place we are actually fueled with a love for the people around us. It's there that we overcome anger and hatred. It's there that we overcome bitterness. It's there that we can, we can learn to say, I forgive again. I'm going to dig a little deeper and, and give to my neighbor in need. That's where we learn. It's, we learn looking at Christ, believing on his name, allowing to, for belief to, to move from our head to our hearts, allowing this belief in the Son Jesus Christ to transform us, to truly transform us. So that's the answer. If you want to know what love is, then look at Jesus. Amen? Okay, let, let's see an example of that. Can you turn to Matthew chapter 18? This is not on the screen, so you have to use your Bible, use your device. Turn to Matthew 18. Jesus, he came and he removed any excuses from us to not forgive, to not walk in love. All of our justifying, you know, we all have this way of justifying our situations. We all think our situations are so unique. Like we're, you know, we know how specifically we've been betrayed, how, you know, pathological people are around us to betray us in the ways in which they have. And we come up with these narratives in our minds these victim narratives that justify our own anger and bitterness and hatred. Or, or, or am I just confessing my own issues? Okay. It's part of the, the human plight, human, human issue. Like we have a way of self-justifying. The, the issue of self-righteousness. And, and Jesus just like obliterates any space for that in our lives. Let's look at this parable in, in Matthew chapter 18 in questioning in people coming to him and asking, how many times should we forgive our brother, this brother who wrongs me? And Jesus, he says I, I, in verse 22, I, I do not say to you that you should forgive them seven times, but 77 times, or some translations say 70 times seven, meaning just, just forgive, just forgive again. Just keep your heart soft, forgive again. But let's read this parable. This is, um, this just removes excuses. Verse 23, therefore the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his servants. When he began to settle, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents, which doesn't mean much to us, but a talent is a very extravagant um, or a huge amount of money in 
uh, ancient, ancient Near, Near Eastern culture. I mean, this is, a talent is 20, one talent is 20 years wages. So 10,000 talents. I did the math, that's around $8 billion is this first debt. That's, that's the first debt. This one owed $8 billion. That was me calculating it based on Iowa average wage. So $8 billion. And since he could not pay, obviously, his master ordered him to be sold with his wife and children and all that he had and payment to be made. Obviously, this guy was a complete fool. I mean, he had racked up $8 billion in debt. It's like, what, what, are you, what are you doing? I don't even know how you do that. How do you rack up that much debt? But he did it, and rightfully, he needed to pay the price. Um, he and his entire family. So the servant fell on his knees, verse 26, and imploring him, have patience with me and and I will pay you everything of which, you know, it's impossible. It's not possible for him to pay that debt, $8 billion. There's no, no way you could ever pay that back in your own effort. Verse 27, and out of pity for him, the master of that servant released him and forgave him the debt. But when that same servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him 100 denarii. So a denarii is a day's wage. So we got 100 denarii. I did the math. It's about $15,000. So it's in our little small minds, that's a, that's a big debt, right? We're like, oh, that's a lot of money. But compared to $8 billion, this is, a, this is a tiny, silly little debt. Seizing him, he began to choke him, saying, pay what you owe. Verse 29, so his fellow servant fell down and pleaded with him, have patience with me and I will pay you which actually he could do. He could over time. This one could actually pay that back over time. $15,000 debt is totally doable. You see that just the disconnect here, the, 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 the complete blindness of pride and self-righteousness, he refused and he went and put him in prison until he could pay the debt. When his fellow servants saw that he had taken, what had taken place, they were greatly distressed, to say the least, and they went and they reported to their master all that had taken place. Then his master summoned him and said to him, you wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me. And should not you have had mercy on your fellow servant as I have had mercy on you? And in anger, his master delivered him to the jailers until he should pay all of his debt. So also my heavenly father will do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother from your heart. He brings it back to a heart issue as well. There is a theme here of the love of God conquering our hearts, the love of God washing continually over our hearts. And we all stand condemned with an $8 billion debt before the master, before the Lord, all of us. Doesn't matter your story, doesn't matter your your background. We all have this $8 billion debt to the Lord. And we have an opportunity for for forgiveness, for redemption, for grace to be extended towards us in the person of Jesus Christ. He paid our debt. He took it upon himself. And when we say yes to that, we're also saying yes to forgiving the debts of others towards us. The small, menial debts. $15,000 is a lot of money for me. So even in our little small-mindedness of humanity, what seems to us to be a big debt in the grand cosmos of the heavenly economy is a small debt. It's a $15,000 debt. And we are called, we have this now new standard, this new, um, we've been recalibrated to a new level, a new order of love, 
which is to forgive again. And that's the answer. That's the antidote. If it sounds overly simplistic, it's not. Because our heart is a easily deceived aspect of our humanity. It's the core of our being. It's the, the, the as theologians try to understand what's meant by the heart, as scripture talks about it, it's the core of our being. It's not the, it's not the organ, just to clarify. The heart is the core of our being. It's the, the colliding of our eternal self and our, and our fleshly self. It's, the, it's all of those things at the core of our being. And, and God's will for us is for our hearts to be conquered by his love day by day from glory to glory. And so just thinking about that parable, thinking about the Lord's will for our lives, for his love to conquer us day by day, how do we go about doing that? Well, we walk in the ways of Jesus. I want you to picture it like this because I think this is a helpful analogy for me. Picture yourself as you've said yes to Jesus. You've become a child of God. You've, um, you've realized that there's no other way to the Father but by Christ. And you surrender your all to him. You say yes to him. You're saved. As we read uh, in the weeks prior, you're now a child of God. You've been anointed by him. Well, now you begin embarking on this path. Just picture yourself walking down a footpath and you're walking in the ways of Christ himself. That is now our calling. You can think of the Christian life as imitating Christ. That's what it is. We've been saved, we've been redeemed, and now the call upon us is to walk in the ways of Jesus, to follow in step with Christ, to follow him. Think of it on a narrow footpath, a dirt-laden a dirt -laden path. You're following in the, in the footsteps of Jesus, and the aim is to stay as close to him as possible without tripping him, you know, without, if, if that was possible, which is not. But following in step closely with Jesus. When these moments come, which come pretty much every day, we are tempted to veer off the path. We are tempted to look over to the left as we've been clocked in the head, as we've been discarded behind a dumpster, as we've been wronged, as we've been, uh, people talk about us. And we have, this, we have this opportunity to veer off the path. And these are moments, like moments like this morning where the gospel is so evident, the goodness of the Lord, his extravagant grace is so evident to us that we have an opportunity to, to look over and recognize that we've departed from the path, like that we've, we've, we've uh, walked off the path, that we're not any longer following in step with the way of Christ. But th this is the answer. The answer is to repent, to actually turn and get back on the path and to follow Christ. My, my standard now is Christ. My standard now is Christ. It's not my experiences, the, the wrongs that have been done against me, myself justifying in my mind. No, the answer is to get back on the path and to follow Christ. Look at him. Remember, he is the standard of love. This has been the LifePoint Church Sermon of the Week. For more resources, visit us at lifepoint.cc.